1: You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast
0: with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson.
1: Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast episode number 239. What is going on? I am Matt
2: O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing, buddy? Good. I had a big day from my childhood today. So I oh. was telling you before we got on, um, I ordered a bunch of Pokemon cards for my kids. They're really, really into it um and so i bought a booster box it's like a box of those packs those individual packs 36 packs when they saw that, they went absolutely nuts. Because when I was a kid, you'd get, like, one pack of cards, and that would be your thing for, like, two years. Yes. Um, to have a whole box of those? Holy Hannah. And it was wild. 360 cards, not a whole lot much in terms of value, but the value was the kids having a blast. Like, they'd open it, and the first thing to see, it was, <gasps> and they'd, like, lose their mind because they saw, like, Growlithe life looking cool. So, <laughs> good times.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, and. It's more about, like, I don't know, just the experience of going through all the cards and kind of collecting it. Like, sure, like, you have the guys like Gary Vee who are, like, trying to do the, it's all about the flip life. I'm going to sell it now on eBay and stuff like that. They just, they're kids. They just want to have fun
2: and open the cards. Exactly. So that's what we did. What about you? What would you get up to today?
1: Uh, Not anything remotely close to that exciting. It was just a very boring Wednesday. Uh, It's been NFL free agency the last few days, so... Uh, I was telling you, this was my good luck today. Uh, I released a video. I was like, okay, recapping the day kind of thing. And like, not even joking, like three minutes later, the Jets signed somebody. So I was like, ah, well, I got to record this
2: podcast with Mitch now. So I guess I'm doing that video tomorrow morning. Fair enough. A lot of moving parts going on there, right? Like, and the money. Oh my God, the money that gets moved to these guys. It's insane. I see like a tight end getting $20 million. And I just say like, Holy crap, that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah, it's very... We were talking beforehand, too, just uh, comparatively, league-wise, From if you don't follow <laughs> the NFL and you you only follow the NHL and you see a deal and you're like, huh, Aaron Rodgers is getting $50 million a year. That's like, what, more than half
2: an NHL salary cap? That's wild. Yeah, exactly, right? It's, what, two-thirds of it <laughs> or something like that? That's insane. On one guy. Important guy, of course, or important role to be filling. Um, but Jesus Murphy, that's a lot of money.
1: Absolutely. So let's hop right into this episode, Mitch. We're going to go through a lot of different things today. First, we'll start on the positive side, uh, because even though the Islanders lost last night, well, when we're recording this, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably two days ago at this point. But the Islanders offense has been performing very, very well recently, and we have some guys on a hot streak. So we wanted to go
2: through and talk about some of the offensive performances. Who do you want to get us rolling with? I think we have to start with Kyle Palmieri. Like it really just starts with him.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at it, he's got 10 goals on the year. Now he had one in his first 29 <laughs> games. So over the last 15, he has nine. Yeah. Jesus. That's it's stupid. It's, yeah.
2: it's so dumb. So I, I did that. I, I put that line in the sand knowing that like Kyle Palmieri would be the first guy we talked to mainly because I figured you'd pitch it to me first and I'd have first say So, my foresight was on point today. Love it. Uh, but I, I I looked at natural stat trick and I, and I put that line in the sand from the start of the season up till February 14th, so up until Valentine's Day, for a number of players. And we'll, we'll get through them as we go. And I, I just wanted to give that context because that's where the stats that I'm drawing from here. For Kyle Palmieri, for, through, the, through those first 29 games, not only just one goal, but only six assists. So seven points through 29 games is um not good, right? Seven over 29 is... A 0.24 points percentage puts him on pace for rounding up to 20. Oh, that's rough. Right. But then you figure the rest of it. Now you go to the other 15. He's got nine goals and four assists, so 13 points over 15 games. That's much better. That puts you on pace for 71. Now, I don't think he's going to be a 71-point player, but you you take the hot with maybe not so much of the cold, and you maybe got a 50-point player there. That's worth the $5 million that we're paying him.
1: Absolutely. I'll even go, I'll even say, give me 45. Give me like 25 goals, 20 assists. Fine. Take it. Perfect. You have that in your middle six. Obviously, probably don't want that on your top line, which hopefully by the time next year rolls around, that's not a thing, but it's fine. You could live with that. And I think you kind of hit it on the head. It's just the lows were far too low. You can deal with a streaky player. I get it. But when you have, like we said, one goal in 29 games is just an insanely no num-
2: low number. You think the injury played a factor in that, or just bad luck? I think so. Who was it that said something about that? And by who, I mean someone on the Islanders. I don't know if it's Josh Bailey or, or, or someone else. that Essentially someone like that. I forget who it was. Was it Bailey? I think so talking about specific Kyle Palmieri's injury, saying, like, you don't know how long it takes to rehab from something like this and how you might be okay and you're you're fit to play, but it, it kind of irks you in different ways, right? And we all know that. We, we've sure. all been through that. Like, I, I slid down the hill just yesterday on my back with my kids multiple times. I was the sled uh, head first, and my shoulder is killing me. I felt fine after it happens, but my shoulder has been killing me all day, and I'm sure it's going to kill me for, like, I don't know, 10, 13, 15 days, just over two weeks is going to still kill me. Um, the, these things tend to fester a little bit longer than we think, and we don't really realize how it materializes, Like, right? Like, when he takes a shot, he might feel a little bit of a tweak, and so he might not give it as much the next time out until he stops feeling a little kind of, like, pull or whatever.
1: Right, exactly. So, uh, obviously, it was nursing a little something there because almost inexplicable how... Snake bitten, he was early on this year, but yeah, that's a good that's a good place to start too because they they really needed that all year long. If they got that kind of production from Kyle Palmieri, we're probably in a different conversation right now.
2: Yeah, we're probably not so far out of the playoff picture. Is is yeah. the way that I would put it?
1: Right, like I'm not saying they're first in the Metro or anything like <laughs> that, but they, they are significantly more competitive because they didn't dig themselves as big of a hole earlier on.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. Because he alone, again, won't turn everything around. But the thought was when they signed him to that four year, 20 million dollar deal is that we're getting a 20 to 25 goal score coming in to replace the 20 to 25 goal score, essentially going out in Jordan Eberle. Well, coming in was Kyle Palmieri, and he was not up until now a 20 to 25 goal score. So that's a lot of goals already lost from a team who didn't score a whole lot to begin with. Yeah, even with Eberle. Right no
1: exactly it's um obviously wasn't great but now as we said turning it around so positive vibes we had to start with him as we said so uh who do we want to get to next on this list i guess if we're looking at goals it's gonna have to be Anders lee the man just won't stop scoring was it eight in four or eight and
2: five (laughs) eight and five okay eight and five (laughs) four come on still that's nuts right eight and five is insane yeah. And
1: he was a little bit slow for a while, but he was sitting on like 14 goals now up to 22 and 51 games. And that, I mean, that's not that bad of a pace, Mitch. If you go over a full 82 game season, that's 35 goals. I think everyone
2: would sign up for a 35 goal Andersley right so the thing is that he wasn't terrible necessarily but you're no. right he's having one hell of a heater right now through the first por- portion of the season so again the, the, the line in the sand that I drew on Valentine's Day he had 12 12 goals to his name which is good put him on pace for 27 goals over the year great well he's not even better than that right like now he's got 10 over of uh, 14 games played in that stretch which is a pace of 59 obviously he's not going to score that because we're only pacing out a, a, a certain portion of the year But it's like wild, like he's doubling his return in terms of goal scoring over this portion of the year. What I would like to see is him have more assists. If that, let's say, he's got two fewer goals for one more assist, I'll take, maybe like lose two goals, so have him at six, and let's say four, you know, you got 10 points over 14 games. I'd like to see a little bit of an evening out for Andrews Lee, but I'll take it. Obviously, like we'll take goals at this point.
1: Of course, but you're right. The 22 goals to seven assists is just a bizarre ratio, even for someone like Lee.
2: Yeah. So it hasn't been a complete 360 like Kyle Palmieri has done, but it, it's been one hell of a change. And you're going, all right. Well, let, let's see if this continues. Hopefully, so with the goal scoring form he's in, because uh, it, it's helping us, you know, bridge the gap between the playoff teams and us. Not that we expect them to actually make that jump into it, but if there was ever a hope, Anders Lee is providing us with one.
1: No, absolutely. And that's uh, obviously a big thing too, is while, yeah, they might've dug themselves too big of a hole and they're going to be out of it at this point, but if they could just finish the season strong and, you know, be competitive, almost like they were at the end of the 2016-17 season, that'd be nice. I'd sign up for that.
2: Yeah, because like we said a bunch of times, what we're looking for is to see are these pieces actually underperforming or is there a possibility that next year or is our possibility that what we saw for the first half of the year was just kind of some weird not playing or playing in a new barn, playing in during COVID and having COVID and being out and in and out and in type of thing. Is that all meshing together and there's still an actual good team under there? So far we're seeing that it is there. There is a good team under there. Uh, which is exactly what we were hoping to see going forward.
1: Yeah, no, with without a doubt. So um, hopefully, uh, obviously, that continues for Anders Lee and the rest of the team. Um, someone that I'd like to bring up, and not necessarily that they're scoring a bunch of goals, but just well, they, they are scoring a little bit more, but Josh Bailey's point production has skyrocketed, and we were hard on him, and I think deservedly so, but we have to show him some love now too as he's turned it around.
2: Yeah, like... <laughs> The, the, the thing with Josh Bailey is it's always black and white, right? Forever and ever on, man. <laughs> Pol- he's yeah. either always sucked forever or he's absolutely elite. And, and I know I'm guilty in, in drudging up the elite thing, but I think we all understand why I do it. It's because I hate the idea like Josh Bailey has been garbage his entire year or his entire career. That is not the case. No. Uh, and right now he is not that, right? Three goals and six assists since February 14th which may not sound like a ton, but that's nine points over 12 games for Josh Bailey. Um, Nine over 12, I would imagine, if you did the the math in your head, sounds good. That's a 62-point player right there.
1: Yeah, you sign up for that. And especially recently, I mean, he has a four-game point streak. In three of those four games, they were multi-point games. He's been really, really good recently. And again, like, we were hard on him earlier in the year because he looked completely lost, but right now... He is looking like the player, the Islanders were hoping they were going to get all year long from Josh Bailey. So got to give him the hype.
2: Yeah. He's a middle six player in this roster and he's producing like a middle six player. Yeah. He's got issues. Uh, They all do right. Like sometimes you're going, why didn't you make that one play? Um, But every single player on the face of the earth is going to be guilty of that not every, not any player, not even Connor McDavid is going to be free from the, what the hell were you doing here on that play? Um, it's just for Bailey. It's maybe hap- it was happening a little bit more frequently at the start of the year, yep. and, and that's kind of gone away a little bit. Uh, he's still making mistakes, but that's why he's a middle six winger. That, that's what he's there to do. Smart player. They love playing with him. Um, he was still on pace for a forty-seven point year Uh at the beginning. If you only take his production up until February fourteenth, so those three uh, three goals, eighteen assists. Um, But we're seeing now is that he's having more of a direct impact on the game instead of just kind of like being a passenger. And and that's what we wanted to see from him. Not to say that he needs to dominate a game, but he needs to show up and help push the aisles forward. And he's helping them do that.
1: Yeah, that's definitely definitely for sure. Um, And I, I don't know. I just hope he continues to push that play forward. Even right now the 6 goals in 49 games is still kind of low you'd hopefully hopefully that goes up a little bit and maybe it evens out over the course of the year but um i still am a believer that his role especially going into next year should be diminished a little bit more like i think he's still a serviceable middle six player but i don't think he needs to be like the, a power play guy or someone you're putting out when the in an empty net situation but i think could still could have some uh, value to your team even at 32 yeah, he should
2: be a third-line player. And at 32 with the guy within, with the way his career is going, yeah, of course, he should be on the third line, playing third-line minutes, helping them in, in, in on the PK, and maybe a power play shift here or there if they need a different, pardon me, different look, uh, but not full-time. Like, you're definitely the guy going over. And six on five. What are we doing here? Six on five. It, it, like, you can't, that cannot happen. No. Definitely not. Um, who else do you want to get into here? There's one last guy I wanted to get into, and at least myself. Maybe there's one more that you want to get into, and it's Anthony Beauvilliers, who over the last 15 games has only one goal, but nine assists. And that, that number is pretty huge. Nine assists over 15 games, so 10 points over 15. We're seeing the Bovillia we've seen before, right? So 10 over 15 is, is a third or two thirds, right? So 0.66 times 82. That's a 55 point player. That's the Bovillia that we're going. That's the one we want to suss out the entire year. Yep. Just unfortunately, we haven't seen it through the first half.
1: No, he's another one. Almost like Kyle Palmieri, where very, very streaky. But I don't know. Is it? maybe this is unfair on my part but I seem to get more frustrated with Anthony Bovillier than Kyle Palmieri because I think maybe it's the the ceiling I think could be higher with uh beau like I think there's more in the tank where Palmieri kind of know what he is at this point
2: I think that's it, right? Like, we don't really know what Beauvilliers is, and he's giving you one and the other, right? It's like, (speaking) You're like, pick a lane, Beau. Please pick a lane. And I hope to God it's a 60-point player there and not the 20-point player that I was talking about in French. But, like, please, for the love of God, pick one lane because we're so frustrated to, to, to not know which one are you. Which one are you? Wild it is it and that's how i feel with bovillia it's just it's wild to see that swing and i think that's what you're feeling with with palmeris so you're like yeah he might be shooting at 1.6 percent i don't assume that's going to continue i've seen what he can do with bovillia you might be like yeah 1.6 is a thing but in 16 games he might be a 10 percent point player 10 percent shooting percentage i don't know
1: yeah we definitely don't know but um more of the story, when he's going, he looks very, very good. And look, the Islanders don't have a lot of young, speedy guys, uh, especially on the forward group. So while I am intrigued of potentially using Beauvilliers as a trade chip to get a, a nice lefty defenseman in here, um, if he plays like this the rest of the way, maybe that takes it down a notch because, well, like I said, the, the youth movement in the forward group is a little bit necessary here.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not to say that they're ancient, although in the NHL terms they kind of are. They're one of the oldest teams in the league, uh, if not the oldest. I think on average, but um, they, they need they need youth to take over, and that's going to be a slow going because of how this uh, this team operates in terms of um, acclimating said youth. But um, hopefully, Bovillia can take a step up. Or, uh, or or not figure out just stick stick to a lane please figure it out oh my god it's so frustrating to be like dangling the 60 point player and the 30 point player and you're going like i i would really like this one can you stay here and he's like no sorry yeah,
1: i don't think so i, I want to go ice cold for about 20 games <laughs> every year and <laughs> just god damn it there's one more guy that i want to bring up and i'm surprised that it wasn't this wasn't the one that uh you brought up last because he's he's one of your faves and is growing into one of my faves and that's Noah Dobson. Uh 11 points in his last 10 games. Um was on an incredible goal scoring uh, not goal scoring but an incredible point streak that won me some significant cash. It was uh I was going to say how much money did you make off Noah Dobson? <laughs> enough. Enough, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean he's just been he's turning into a number 1 defenseman in front of our eyes which is just awesome because we talk about it I feel like all the time but in October November he he stunk he he wasn't very good it it looked like okay like we were expecting him to take a nice step in year three like this is it this is your real opportunity and he was getting healthy scratched he was playing his you know Barry Trotz 15 minutes a night and you're going (laughs) dude I
2: thought we were past this but it seems like we are now it it is and like We have to... Who injured Ryan Pollock? We have them to thank, essentially.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Good question. I don't remember.
2: It's whoever injured Ryan Pollock. We have them to thank. Um, Not for injuring Ryan Pollock necessarily because you don't want to see anyone get hurt. But because Ryan Pollock was forced out, Noah Dobson had to take that role. And he ran with it. He, he, He showed the Islanders what he can do. And the Islanders said, like, okay, do it. Let's just see what happens. And he did the damn thing and has not looked back since. Um, that's what unlocked Noah Dobson. You're, you're right. I, I didn't bring up just because I thought we had already talked about it, but clearly we had not. Um, he's on another level, right? Like since, I think it's since February 1st, only three defensemen have scored 20 points: Kale McCarr, Roman Yossi, and Noah Dobson.
1: Insane. Just the the fact that his name is in that conversation is just downright insane.
2: Yeah. And he's what? he just turned 21 in January. Was it? I don't have his birth date in front of me necessarily. I don't remember Uh, those things. I have a hard time remembering anything. 22 in January, January 7th. He just turned 22. He's so young for a defenseman, right? Like he's not going to peak for another two years. Peak, peak. He's not going to be Caleb McCarr. We know that, but he's going to be like an Alex Pietrangelo, which is great. You'll sign up for Alex Pietrangelo right at his peak. <laughs> that's what we want. Um, and that's what he's been molding his game after for years. And he's turning into that player right before our eyes. And it's fantastic. I love it. I I, I can't wait to see hit this guy's actual ceiling uh, because we haven't seen it yet.
1: No, but I mean, 10 goals and 34 points. If you told me, like, just on the year, Noah Dobson, over a full 82-game season, put up 10 goals and 34 points, I would have been like, hell
2: yeah, sign me up for that right now. We're 55 games into the year. <laughs> There's still a ways to go. And he's still got a ways to go, too, right? Like, he makes a gap or gaffs in the defensive zone where he, sure. he misses coverage or he forgets a guy or doesn't see someone coming in yep absolutely i see it on online all the time like people seemingly for no reason about like oh my god the look at the play he missed there like yeah he's 20 freaking two can we relax for a second here yes he's gonna make those mistakes that's what we know happens with rookies and that's why barry trotz takes his time with rookies because he knows these things are going to happen and he's trying to minimize those um but he's doing the thing offensively. That's something you can't teach, right? When Barry Trotts came in, that's the first thing he said. You can't teach offense like the Islanders have been able to sh- uh, do, but you can teach defense. So what he has to, like, grow into is teachable. What he has isn't. So let's be happy that we've got something that is going to get better instead of being like, well, I don't like this one thing that we could totally fix within a couple of weeks. Ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it does feel a little nitpicky, um, and you're right. He does have those moments, and you go, uh, "Okay, he's not quite there yet. He's he's close. He's al- almost at that point, but like you said, he didn't reach his peak yet, and it's it's obvious. And I don't mean that as a as a diss to Noah Dobson. He's taken no. a significant step forward, but it just goes to show that there's even more
2: there. Yeah, and, and to be fair, you don't want him to be. Um, Kale McCarr just yet because this is a contract year if he's putting up <laughs> Vezina numbers this year are ain't no way we're signing him to a bridge deal so like let's chill a little bit no you still need
1: that, that two year three million dollar AAV and then we could worry about a long term extension when I don't know he's only at that point I guess 24 which is still you'd still be signing him through his prime but yeah maybe I would like to get to a bridge deal and I think Lou does too
2: yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that's Lou 101 right there. Everyone gets a bridge deal. Anyway,
1: so that's the last guy that I wanted to bring up. Was there
2: anything else or you think we hit it all? I think we hit it all. It's been an, a complete turnaround for the Islanders. I haven't looked at their record necessarily because it doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. I don't want to get too hyped up in terms of like, oh, they're doing the thing. If they do it, fan-freaking-tastic. But for now, I'm just going to focus on, like like you are, these individual guys and how their their, their season is trending in, in a better direction.
1: Yeah, no, without a doubt. And like I said, I I don't think they're going to go on this magical run and make the playoffs, but I, I think we could just enjoy a much better second half. Like, I don't think it has to be, oh, my God, you're ruining the tank, or they're not going <laughs> to... I don't know. They're, they're not going to catch a playoffs spot. Why are you excited? Like, I don't know. I just want to watch a good team like is that's fair
2: right that's absolutely fair like it it really is so i I wouldn't worry too much about it and like i understand it's middle right and that's the worst place to be technically speaking north american sports where you're not drafting a high pick but you're not making the playoffs either and competing for a championship um but even then the islanders aren't drafting anyone that's going to impact this lineup and turn things around next year uh, they they can draft all they want, but like e- even um, uh, Shane Wright, I don't know if he steps into this lineup and and, and is it is right away it, or it just steps in this lineup. What I should say is this next year, probably, but uh, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I don't know.
1: No, but like look at even like I don't know Alexis Lafreniere, like he, it's taken him a little bit. I'm not calling him a bust or anything. I think he's gotten even better. Like he's gotten better in year two, and I'm sure will as he continues to get older too. But it's not always a lock and I don't know, like you said, it's they're They're just a, they're going to tweak the roster. We, we know they're not blowing it up. We know that they're not going to run it back exactly the same. They're going to make some changes and that's okay, which I think is a good transition for us as we can talk about next week, the trade deadline coming up. And I feel like this is a topic we've talked about a lot on this show, but it's our last episode before we get to the deadline. So we have to do some final predictions and uh, Mitch, I don't know if you saw the deal that went down a little while ago before recording, but uh, the market seems to be a seller's market.
2: Yeah, so the 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 trade you're referencing is Ben Chirou or Sherot, as the Americans pronounce it. I, I guess he is American, isn't he? I don't know. I, for some reason, I feel like he's French. Ben Chirat to Florida for a 2023 first-round pick, unprotected, by the way a 2022 fourth round pick and some B-level prospect that I Tyler Similak or something like that.
1: That's a pretty good haul for a defenseman who hasn't been very good this year.
2: His underlying numbers, his overlying numbers, all of his numbers are bad. People say he's a better player and sure. He's probably better than what he showed because he's on a garbage team in Montreal. Um, but you you're talking about a 30-year-old UFA with not very good numbers getting a first fourth and sorry uh, Montreal retains 50% of his 3.5 million dollar cap hit so his cap hit this year not that that necessarily means anything but they retained 50% of whatever salary they're paying from now until the end of April um to bring it down to 1.75 Th- that's that's insane. That's ins- insane that they're paying this amount of this amount of assets, these amount of assets to get this guy. Bottom pair defenseman. If, if I'm the Islanders, I'm, I'm Lou Lambrilla, I'm I'm shipping Scott Mayfield. I'm calling around who wants Scott Mayfield. Because you know, I know I'm getting a first this year, a second and something.
1: I was going to say, what do you think his asking price is?
2: I, it's, we all like thought like, oh, first plus is great. But like we could def- that that's. Like Kevin Kerr said, that that's where you start. And I thought that, like, pff, that should be the final landing spot. No, he's dead on. That's where you start. Look, they got a first next year, a fourth just for retaining 50% to bring it down to $300,000 above Scott Mayfield's cap hit this year and next. What the hell are we talking about here?
1: Yeah, I was going to say this situation is, to me, almost reminiscent of... um. When the Islanders traded Travis Hamanek and they got a massive haul from the Flames. Now, I do. And this is a little bit biased because I is one of my favorite Islanders ever. But I do think he is probably a better defenseman in his prime than what Scott Mayfield is. But still, the cap hit is what makes Scott so valuable that he's at the was it one four five million dollar yeah. mark for. Is it next year and the year after or just next year?
2: just next year. Okay. So
1: this year and next year. But still that that's insanely valuable to to any team.
2: Yeah. Right. Again, they were willing to give a first round pick and a prospect for just this year or the next two months plus whatever playoff run you go on for Ben Shira. at $300,000 more than than um Scott Mayfield. You add another year on top of that, and the Islanders don't have to retain that's true. They don't have to retain
1: anything. And on top of that, sometimes there's cliches around the NHL and in all sports, but specifically with the NHL. NHL GMs love players like Scott Mayfield. Big, physical, like that's exactly the kind of defenseman they want to
2: bring into their
1: team to add for a playoff run.
2: Yeah, they want a guy who's not going to be afraid to cross check Nikita Kucherov's rib until next Tuesday unfortunately to Nikita Kucherov's rib, but like that's what Scott Mayfield does and GM's effing love it. Yeah.
1: Big physical penalty killer. Play him 20 minutes a night, not have to worry for the most part. He's not going to give you a ton of offense, 16 points in 57 games, which is fine, but big physical, not afraid
2: playoff experience. Now at this point over the last few years, it checks all the boxes. It checks all the boxes. You can get, I, I said, a first, a second, and Topi Yemela from Toronto for him. And some people are like, uh, you might want to look for more. Deal. Okay. <laughs> I, I had a lot of like, yeah, that's fair, which is great for me. Topin Yemela is like a third, I think, in terms of production in the Liga. And he's a defenseman. Left shot defenseman, six feet tall, 170 pounds, 19 years old. Um, Plays for uh, the uh, Autorato's former team in the Carpot. Um, really great. When I whenever I speak to the Finnish coach, uh, he's like, "I love Topi love him. He's fantastic." Um, bring him in, and then you got these two other picks to deal with that you can then send to somewhere else. You don't need to keep the picks. You're you're bringing them in for asset control to bring, not asset control, assets to to get something else in. This is perfect. Course. What are we talking about here?
1: Right, because. Even like, like, let's say you have two first round picks and let's use Toronto as the example. They are more than likely picking, what, anywhere from 20 to 32, somewhere in that range, more than likely. Yeah. So you don't have to draft, use your pick and Toronto's pick in the draft. You could use one of them and trade the other. That might make the most sense because I think you do have to, you know, add to the prospect pool, which is fine. You use the first round pick for that. But then you could also trade for a really damn good player like, I mean, someone we've brought up a million times, but like Jacob Chitron.
2: Yeah, right. You give Arizona a first round pick plus, 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 they're 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 more willing to move it. And now you're more willing to move that first round pick because, yeah, while you, you you don't really care that much about the prospect pool, you can't stop caring about it entirely. You, you got to bring in some quality. It's great that you got auto, auto in the second round. You're not going to find too many of those going forward. So, yeah, absolutely. You keep one of those, but you move the other one. So, as we approach a trade deadline, I don't think they're actually going to move Scott Mayfield because they like him that much. But if I'm Lou Lamorello, Jesus Christ, when I see a first plus plus for Ben Chirot, I'm I am calling GMs and like, what are you going to give me for Scott Mayfield? How much are you going to give me for Scott Mayfield?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, there might be some. There might really be something to, to it. Um, in the next few days, it's crazy to say few days, but it, it's going to come soon. And Mayfield makes mm-hmm. a ton of sense. Um, is there anyone else outside of Scott Mayfield that uh, you think could be on the move?
2: Oh, definitely Cal Clutterbuck, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, when you look at it, and especially since Dion has brought back Austin Zarnick, like it seems to that seems to make all the sense in the world, right? Um. But yeah, Clutter, he's another one that NHL GMs would love to add to their team. He has 14 points, which isn't amazing, but he plays bottom six minutes. He can kill penalties, physical playoff experience. He's another one who checks all the boxes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like he does everything, grinds like he's the lowest grit of sandpaper possible. There isn't a grittier player out there. Just perfect for any GM looking for a playoff push that needs something to give them an extra edge. You know, gets in people's faces can be kind of ratty and and ratty without having to run in the penalty box constantly. He, it's surprising how infrequent he's in the penalty box based on the play, the way he plays. That's exactly what GMs want. You're not going to get a ton for him because you're going to have to retain some money, right? Like he's on 3.5, just like Ben Shirat I love saying that. Um, so they might have to hold 50%. But like, all right, cool. We'll hold 50%. That's a fourth round pick. Apparently we're going to get a a minimum of fourth round pick just for retaining 50% of of Cal Clutterbuck. Awesome. Right. (laughs) Great.
1: Now fourth plus for Cal Clutterbuck. It seems. Yeah. Maybe that turns into like a second. Maybe you're going to get second round pick
2: for Cal Clutterbuck. You
1: you have to do it. Right. No, of course. And and like you said, like, obviously, retain, salary retention plays a factor here. But the owners have so much cap space right now that it doesn't matter. They could eat the whole thing, practically, if they wanted to.
2: Yeah, it matters nothing. And it doesn't matter for next year. He's a UFA. so And uh, he's moving anyway. So who cares? It changes nothing. Move him for a second round pick. Are you kidding me? If he moves for a second round pick, if someone says can you take 50% of Cal Clutterbuck's contract and I'll give you a second round pick for him? I'm saying yes, and I'm sending the deal. I'll walk it over to the NHL head office oh, no. from Long Island.
1: Yeah, agree. And I love Cal Clutterbuck. Yep. Agree. Um, uh, I think Cal's been a great Islander, but I think you do it if you're getting a second. Uh, absolutely. And like you said, it's not necessarily about, okay, now we have the second round pick. We're going to you know spend on a player
2: necessarily, but it's just more ammunition to retool. Yeah, and who says you don't re-sign Cal Clutterbuck next year for, like, a million and a half dollars? That's a fine deal for Cal Clutterbuck at his age. You give him a one-year, $1. $1.5 million deal, maybe two or three because everyone else on the fourth line got a long-term <laughs> deal. Um, yeah, what he absolutely not has to move, but that's someone that you're, you're probably definitely putting that out there. And I would imagine Colorado brings him in. That's the team that is probably going to do it.
1: Yeah, that seems it just seems to make so much sense I agree clutter to and who knows maybe goes on a run and wins the Stanley Cup and comes right back to Long Island
2: but if we get back our second round pick so imagine that we send uh, what's his name Devontae's over for a second round pick basically it's not so bad anymore well I guess that's not kind of bad actually. well no well, we, we would make, get
1: no because we don't we have,
2: would get three second round picks for, uh, for essentially no that's not the way I'm doing the no. math wrong in my head because I'm getting excited yeah that's okay um, but no, but, but agree, um,
1: that I think even if they did trade Clutterbuck, I wouldn't rule out him coming back and re-signing in the off either. Um, do you think that either Zdeno Chara or Andy Green, I feel like we could loop them together, but do you think either of those guys could get moved?
2: I think Chara, yes. I don't think Green. And it's not that I, 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 I don't want them to move Green. It's just, they like Green a lot. And I don't think he's quite done yet. Like they, they roll him out quite frequently. I could see them keeping him as like their old guy in the room type of thing. Um, I, I could see him staying for one more year. But Chara, we know that this is probably going to be the last run for Chara. And you got to believe he still has something to offer. And so that means he's going to want to go to a, a contender. And the Islanders are not. So why why not get like, I don't know, a sixth round pick, seventh round pick? Who cares? For Zidane Chara, you get anything for that, it's free money.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I agree if one were to move and I don't think they move both because, well, I mean, still have to finish the rest of the schedule and who, who the hell who's going to play. Um, but I think Chara would make sense. And again, it kind of goes back to the general manager stereotype, but sometimes it rings true. I feel like the open market would value Chara more so than it would value Andy Green, for one, just the name recognition to begin with, and just I don't know, legacy wise. Not that Green doesn't have a good legacy, but I don't know. It's freaking Zdeno Chára.
2: Yeah, he, pl- he what? He got his jaw broken, stepped back out on the ice, and kept playing. Um, and you have Zdeno Chára coming through the doors, right? You got a, a team going for a playoff push. Let's say Colorado, right? Because they're a team that that's really trying to get it done this year. They've got all the pieces, and you've got a team. You you're in the the, um, the locker room and six foot nines. They Dino steps through the room and you're going, let's go. You're fired up. You know he's not going to be playing thirty minutes or whatever he was no. in his prime, but you got Dino Chara stepping out there to give you that extra boost. That's going to give you a boost because he knows what to do. He's a larger than life presence, literally. Yeah. That's huge for a team. And you paid nothing to bring that in. Whatever emotional boost he brings is worth whatever draft pick you're sending out because you're not sending out something that's particularly high. No,
1: I, w- I would think maybe like you said, like a seventh or something like that. But I'm, I'm fine just getting whatever back for him. It's like, OK, we, we tried it. Um, the one guy that uh, you might agree with me here. The one guy that I don't think I would like to move who could be moved is Zach Parise. Um selfishly I would like to keep him <laughs> I would also like to give him another contract please like uh what's his name uh was it Logan Couture did he sign a, a contract mid-season? no I always mix them up Joe Pavelski, Thomas Hurdle no Joe, Joe yeah I,
2: different very different player yes yes but I mean f- former Shark I don't know why I always mix the two of them up um same team makes it you, you only see the jersey in your face right when you're trying to remember things yeah absolutely so
1: he got he signed an extension for next year obviously he's been a little bit more productive than Parise has but I love Parise's game I do not want to lose him and I would love to have him back on the
2: third line next year if he's willing to stay bring him back and I'm sure he is I don't see why he wouldn't Um, but if he doesn't want to have to like go to a contender necessarily then yeah definitely run him back another year he, he is an excellent player, not like in terms of top six, but bottom six player, one of the better ones in the league, without question. There's no doubt. He's excellent. He's, his detail is great. His work ethic is great. The production is starting to come up too. It's just, it, it, it'd be so good to have someone like that and whatever retool they've got going on. Yeah, absolutely bring him back another year. But if they can get a second round pick for him, who says he doesn't come back too?
1: Yeah, that's possible. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Maybe he would come back, but I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's a little selfish, but honestly, like I know this sounds crazy because there's so many more important players in front of him. He's been one of my favorite players to watch this year. Top three for sure.
2: Yeah, no, without a doubt. From start to finish. And I know some people will say like, well, the production wasn't there at the start. Yeah, absolutely. But the way he played... The production should have been there. And then you look at the numbers, it should have. The fact that it wasn't, you're like, wow, well, he's clearly unlucky because he's doing enough to produce enough. It's just not going in for him. But like, he has been fantastic from the, the second the puck has dropped on the year.
1: And even with his unlucky streak at the start of the year, he's still going to give you 35 points probably.
2: Yeah, who doesn't want that for league minimum? League minimum! <laughs>
1: Leo Komarov couldn't do that over three years if you gave him an opportunity.
2: Right? So, like, it's just, you you, you got to do it. I'm just laughing because I know what you're trying to do there. <laughs> We're, they're both different players, but, like, Leo was signed to, like, slap people on the bench, basically. <laughs> I, I know.
1: And it was very expensive. But he was the last third line left wing. I know they're very different players, but I'm going to draw that comparison because it makes me feel good. And Parisa is better
2: and like those slaps right leo seems to know how to slap someone not too hard not too soft you know just enough to get the energy going that's worth a hundred thousand dollars to slap at least
1: it has to be (laughs) easy
2: because the way i do it is just it's all like it's all right in there just right like that like i'm not holding anything back that's worth maybe 10 grand in nhl team because i'm gonna hurt someone
1: yeah you might accidentally injure someone which will be detrimental and then you'll be on the taxi squad
2: yeah, so that, that's no good to anyone. Leo knows exactly the perfect weight for a slap. That's why you pay him the big bucks. Love it.
1: So with that, I think we can probably move into down on the farm, right? I feel like we've talked about enough of these trades.
2: Let us do that. Um, So th- there's three things here, though, that I want to bring up that I that I noted down at least, Um, or two things, I should say. Uh, the NCAA season is essentially over. Uh, There's still kind of, and when I mean over, I mean for the Islanders prospect pool, that is because um, no one else is really in it. Uh, they they all lost in their, I'm going to say divisional, but it's really more conferences, uh, their conference pl- uh, tournaments. There's only one team, I think, that could, that has an Islanders prospect that could be in the Frozen Four tournament, and, and that's Notre Dame with Jacob Ivanka. Their strength of schedule and result of schedule should get them in the tournament. I don't think they'll go far, Um, But that's the only other other player within the Islanders prospect pool who plays in the NCAA that might still be playing in the next couple of weeks. Outside of that, they're all done. So now it's, are the Islanders going to sign any of these guys to a pro deal? And who was it going to be? Because at this point, they've got, what, four or five guys? Let me just count them out. Alex Jeffries, Logan Cockrell, Cameron Berg, Christian Krieger, Jacob Ivanka, yeah, and Ben Mirages, but, like, we all know what happened there. So they've got five guys, uh, and Misha Sung, but, like, again, lulls. Um So they got five guys that are essentially up. And, again, uh, Notre Dame is still playing probably for a little bit. So let's really round it down to four between these next couple of podcasts. Which one out of Jeffreysburg, Krieger, and uh, Cockerell are they going to sign right away? I, I could think of one. Yeah, the, the last one would make the most sense now. He, he wears a captain. He's a captain for BU. So right there and then, you know, the Islanders are signing it.
1: Yeah, that's good. You talked about your slaps being worth 10 grand. A captain, that's got to be worth probably <laughs> at least 500,000, right? At least a three-year ELC. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, that one seems to make, make the most sense. The other three you think is up in the air, coin flip maybe?
2: Uh, well, definitely not Cameron Burke because this is his first year. So he, they're not going to sign him. Good year. Um, but they're not going to sign him after one year. Uh, Alex Jeffries, only year two. Also, good-ish year. Uh, slow start, but sophomore slump type of thing. Uh, so they're they're not going to sign him. They're in no rush to do so. And then we have Christian Krieger, who's in year four. Will he go back for year five with MSU? I don't necessarily think so. I think he's probably going to go pro now. Um and and I I could see them sign the the big left hand defenseman. Um, and and we'll see where that goes. But he I don't project him to be an NHLer, but you know maybe under the uh, Bridgeport Islander system maybe he turns into one. Just yeah. just a a physical, uh, no nonsense type of defensive defenseman. Yeah, it's worth a shot. I think. Yeah, why not? You got I think it's a fifth round pick if I remember correctly. You got nothing to lose. So we'll sign him to an ELC. You're paying him like $70,000. What is that exactly? Like you earmark that money when the season starts anyways. So who cares? Right. Um, and the last thing that I wanted to bring up was on Williams full because uh, Peter Schwartz wrote about him today. Today being uh, March 16th. If you haven't gone to it, um, just go to Peter's timeline on, on on Twitter. We all know who Peter Schwartz is, um, but would go to, you know what? I'm going to get his, twitter handle just in case someone does i think it's know, schwartz on sports. It the top of my head it is schwartz it's just schwartz sports ah okay sorry there you go and schwartz is spelled s-c-h-w-a-r-t-z um he's interviewed uh william's full just the other day and um william gave a pretty good uh indication of where he's going this year and that's pro his i want to play for bridgeport like that that's basically what he said good for him. Paraphrasing just a little bit um he's willing to go pro and like this kid is just absolutely dominating in QMJHL. It's, it's not even funny. It's time. He's, he did all he can there. It's time. He's got to move up a level. Yeah. So he's willing to do that. Um, apparently his mom uh, really monitors the social for him. He doesn't really kind of follow it too much. He's on social. I forget what his handle is. Not that it matters because he's not necessarily going to respond to anyone. Um, but his mom definitely is. And his mom lets him see what, whatever's going on there, which is, is, is fun to see. Love
1: that. Maybe you've seen some of your tweets.
2: I think so. I, I follow his mom and we interact every now and again. She's a nice lady. Um and um yeah. I asked Peter how the interview went, because when I spoke to William, we only spoke in French. I didn't do it in English because I I thought it'd just be more comfortable for him, and he's like, Yeah, hey, his English is fine. What are you talking about? And like I always forget like English and French isn't that big of a deal, but from where I am, you you have families that they just speak French and they do not speak English. And so I just wondered if that was kind of the same situation. And it clearly was not interesting.
1: See, I wish I could speak multiple languages. I am as dumb as a brick. I can't, I can barely type and talking to a microphone. That's about where I tap out.
2: Dude, I just talked myself into like giving ourselves back a second round picking the whole Devon Pace thing. And you're saying you're dumb as a brick. Listen, we're not on. Not a math podcast. We've never claimed once to be a math podcast. <laughs> that wasn't even math. That was just like simple reasoning. And I couldn't even do that. It's okay. We got confused. It's all right. Fair enough. So that's all I've really got uh, for Down on the Farm. There's not a whole lot more going on as it speaks. Like seasons are starting to wind down. Um, So we're going to start to see uh, either some signings and some players coming in, Um, but um, things to look forward to here in the prospect pool.
1: Yeah, love it. So with
2: that, shall we get to the quiz? Let's do it. Oh, I did it again. Wrong
1: button. Hang on, please hold. That was on me
2: as we do every week I've a mystery New York Islander for you Matt and you at home to guess you've got five clues to guess who they are they get progressively easier as we go are you ready Matt let's do it this is not a spit special this one comes out of my own my own oh boy all right noodle noggin so it's not gonna be as good um, one I was drafted in the fourth round by who I'm not telling you uh, okay next two. I was drafted by my hometown team.
1: Oh, okay. Drafted by the hometown
2: team. Okay, next. Three. My first point in the NHL came in my first game, and my first goal came in my second game at the NHL level.
1: Hometown... This should be obvious, but it's not coming to me. All right.
2: Next. Four. I scored and I got into a fight in my first game with the Islanders. Oh, J.G. Pajot. Yes, sir. There you go. Five was I, meaning me, go to great and unjustifiable lengths in order to pronounce his full name in French, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Oh,
1: I love it. I love it. Anytime we can get you to say a French Canadian name, I will go for it. Or even like Ben Chirot, you wanted to say it French and then you, the way you emphasized it in American, it was just
2: excellent. Ben Chirot. Cheriot. I don't even know if he's, if he's French. I don't think he is actually now that I think about it. Isn't he from like um, Maine? I think he's from Maine because Thomas is, is from Maine and, and loves Ben Chirot. Hamilton. Not even he's not. I think he went to maybe like the University of of Maine or something like that, and that that that's why Thomas likes him so much. Interesting. Um, but yeah. So that's Ben Charat, and that's the one now is Jean Gabriel Pajot. There we go.
1: Love it. Let's get into the social segment.
2: We'll see what's going around on Isles Twitter this week. Mitch, what do you got for us? My first one comes from Isles on MSG Plus. I think we all know who they are. Uh, and it's a video of a good guy, hashtag Isles fan. And he's rocking the Johnny Boychuk wave jersey. He catches a puck and just like walks like uh, five to ten seats over to give the puck to a kid. Like it's not just the kid was directly next to him. He like found a kid. Here you go. Classy AF right there. Love it.
1: That is uh that's good stuff. Glad he got recognized on TV, too, Uh, because that's. That just made that kid's life. He's going to remember that
2: forever. Yeah. Johnny Boychuk even saw it, who uh, replied to the MSG with a hug, wink, and whatever hands emoji. I don't know what that is. A bunch of emojis that Johnny Boychuk replied to that. Love it.
1: Good. Love getting Johnny B back in the mix. Uh, I know he wasn't only an Islander, but he is very much an honorary Long Island Islander.
2: Absolutely. Love Johnny B. Love him. Uh, My next
1: one comes from Brian Costello. And he actually covers the New York Jets, but it'll all loop together in a second. He says, Jets are bringing back offensive lineman Dan Feeney on a one-year deal, according to a source. So that means come next year, he could be at UBS Arena just smashing the beers on his head.
2: What do we think? love it. I love it. As long as he keeps the mullet. It's the it's part of the whole look, the mustache, the mullet, and the beer, you know, smashing a course light over his head. Love it. It's his whole gimmick.
1: I mean, he's not... I don't really want him starting any games, but I want him to be at UBS smashing beers on his head all the time.
2: Yeah, locker room guy, right? He's a guy that, that you know, glue guy type of thing. Uh, Just keeps the guys together. Nice huge, and breezy. Huge glue guy. So love it. Uh, my next one here comes from at TJK underscore 9000, who says Josh Bale E versus the haters. I don't know if you saw this, but it's a gif of a guy trying to jump over a bale of hate rolling down a hill. And that guy absolutely gets, like, tossed head over feet. Like, I think he does two flips when he gets hit by this bale of hay. It's hilarious, mainly because I'm a Bailey supporter, and thinking of this happening to some Bailey haters, obviously this guy is not injured, um, makes me laugh. It,
1: it, it does. Uh, it, it was funny. It was a good tweet. I did see it, uh, and it did get a chuckle out of me. And I, I, like, I like sticking it to the haters um,
2: just because it's fun. It is. And like, they always come back, like, he has one bad shift. Ah, Josh Bailey was bad his entire career. And you're going, like, he had a bad shift. Yes, he's bad this year. That does not mean the four to five previous years were bad. That's not how this works. That's not how time works. Unbelievable that we're to have these debates where we're, we're at forever. Yeah. If his jersey gets not even jersey, but like, if he even gets into the Islanders Hall of Fame, every time we go to the UBS, I guarantee you there's going to be someone going like, ah, stupid number 12. Yes. Yeah, every time. Scoffing at it as they walk past. Without question. It's just never going to stop.
1: My last one comes from uh, Chris Bata. Um, and he does a really cool podcast uh, where he interviews a lot of people in the industry. And he was speaking with Brendan Burke. And it's a clip of Brendan uh, talking about when he was hired for the Islanders job. And it's just... I'm going to summarize it, but I, I definitely recommend you going on and, and checking it out. But essentially, he went to a Met Yankee game with John Ledecky. That was like his final, I guess, stage. Uh, so, where he, so he watched the game with him and they had a conversation. He's like, it went really well. I thought I'd hear from him the next day. And then a couple of days go by and, and he's starting to get a little bit nervous. And then he gets the call. And instead of calling his wife he gets in the car and drives to her job and she's a a nurse um and just you know goes in and she's like what the hell are you doing here and then he just smiles and she knew what happened so i thought it was just a really cool story and uh it's a cool podcast too so definitely worthwhile
2: to check out that is cool, right? He's, he's incredible play-by-play guy, insane. When they hired him, when I heard the voice the first time, and I was like, "If if this guy doesn't stick around, uh, I'm gonna lose it," because his voice is perfect, and um, it has been in- an insane ride ever since.
1: He does, and I mean, I I nerd out uh, kind of over this stuff, but he, his pacing is just really good. He's very very good at what he does, and
2: Islanders are lucky to have him. Absolutely. My last one here comes from at Real Isles Pride, who says Jean Potvin was in the Isles radio booth with Bob Lawrence when Bobby Nice scored the OT goal that faithful day back in 1980 and inadvertently did the first ever yes chant in Islanders history. So this is because Jean Potvin unfortunately passed away, we found out yesterday. Um, And if you watch the video, he does indeed say yes, 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 after Bobby Nice scores that OT goal against Philly. Chills, chills, thinking about that. Um, insane. I walked by the mural today to pay my respects. Um, here in Ottawa, just got, I'm kind of gutted. Uh, not just as an Islands fan, but as, as a Vanier person or someone who lives in Vanier because the, they, the pod fans, mean a lot to us.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, I listened to that call, and you're right, it was a yes, yes, yes chant. And uh, he's going to be missed. He's obviously. You know, one of the original Islanders and someone who's going to be remembered for a very, very long time. So um,
2: condolences to the Potvin family and John's going to be missed. Yeah, John, John will be missed. So that's it. That's the final thing. Let's end it on a, a little bit of a downer. huh? <laughs> Hurrah. Unfortunately. So uh wherever you are listening to the show, p- please make
1: sure to subscribe, give a rating and a review. Uh, it really helps us out a lot. Uh, You could follow along with us on socials at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. I'm Matt O'Leary, NY, Mitch's TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download the fan-sided app, get us there, eyesonisles.com for all the articles. And last but not least, the Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you bonus content like post-game podcasts, a mailbag show, which we're about to record, and a Discord channel of Islanders fans. It's a ton of fun over there.
2: Always fun. We're talking about the, uh, the Ben Sherat trade right now. Um, man, this is a wild return. Wild return when you consider we got Scott Mayfield just kind of there. Let's do it. Yep, absolutely.
1: So that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I am Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple.